It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs. Jeff, how you doing? I am doing well, Phil. Good to be back right here with you on Locked On Magic. And, you know, Phil, do me a favor. Can you please just be safe out in Florida? I, I don't want to find out you got sick. I mean, uh, take care. D- no, no <laughs> worries. I got I got my mask and everything. I'm, I'm doing all we can. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But this crossover episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Built Bar's of course, a great way to stay healthy and have a healthy snack, um, good protein snack filled, filled with chocolate. But uh, obviously, you know, we're, I, I think the place to start is we, as before we get into kind of the, the, the main, the meat of what I wanted to talk to you about and bring you on for, the place to start is obviously the, the, up, the latest update in mm-hmm. the return of the NBA. On Tuesday, as I'm sure both of you discussed on our previous episode, um, if we did an episode yesterday, I did an episode yesterday, I don't know if you did, but, um, <laughs> but obviously the, the, the biggest news coming out is the NBA and the NBPA have issued their return to play protocols, their testing protocols, what life is going to be like on the campus setting in Disney. The teams will be placed in three hotels. Yes, the nicer the nicer hotel goes to the teams ahead of the standings. The middling teams, such as the Orlando Magic, will be staying at the Grand Floridian, which is still a very, very nice hotel. Uh, and the remaining teams, the teams that are sort of outside the playoff race, will be heading to the Yacht Club, which, as I mentioned yesterday, has an amazing water slide and also a great <laughs> free play arcade. Uh, it, at least they did when I was in my, in my, in my younger days, in my elementary school days. So, um, we would me, me and my friends would, would literally have our parents drop us off at the yacht club. We'd sneak into the hotel and, and, and play in the pool all day. So, uh, I, I, I still think the I still think the team like the Spurs got, got the best end of that stick, but, uh, but what we'll, we'll find out exactly whether that water slide is, is open or not. But, um, obviously these, these testing protocols, I think have been kind of the biggest question we all right. wanted answered about where, where, how this thing is going to work. Um, but obviously there are still a ton of concerns. You know, I'm, I'm in Florida, so maybe I'm a little numb to everything. But, um, you know, we were talking a little bit before. What questions do you still want answered about how the league returns? The biggest question for me that is, is there going to be a breaking point leading up to tip-off with the rise in the viruses hitting your state, Florida, uh, as we speak? Is the NBA going to come to a point where they're going to say, you know what, maybe Florida doesn't have it get, get together. It's not situated enough. And we're going to have to put health in front of economics. And I get it. The NBA is hurting right now. Your state of Florida is hurting right now. Orlando, the city, is hurting right now economically. And this is a good way to pump some money in. But 
is that is that going to overshadow somebody like Popovich, who is well into his seventies? You know, he's he's in that zone uh, age where uh, they're very susceptible to the virus. Is that going to be enough for the NBA to say, you know what? We tried, you know, we gave it the old college try. It ain't going to work out. We'll try again at a later date. To me, I want to know what is their ultimate, ultimate plan if this virus that is rising gets out of hand in Florida, uh, Phil. Yeah, and and, and for, for those listeners kind of outside the state of Florida, as, as I'm sure I'm, I'm hitting a hitting a, a market here that, that's not inside the state, I, I would note that the majority of cases in the state of Florida, just just total, you know, I'm not talking about anything anything else. I'll get to get to Central Florida here in a bit, but the majority of cases in Florida are coming out of South Florida, out of my uh, Dade County, Broward County, Palm Beach County. Not not so much Palm Beach County, but mm. essentially the three counties that t- people typically think of: Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, that is still where the majority of cases come. However. The number of positive cases in Central Florida, in Orange County and Os- Osceola County, Seminole County, which are the three main counties uh, that most people would consider to be Orlando, um, those three counties have seen a rise in the number of positive test cases within within the state, and not a corresponding rise in testing. Just to just because mm-hmm. you know some people think that more t- you know more testing does reveal more positives, but the rate of positive tests are still on on the on the rise and. Officials here in Orange County, uh, the Disney property kind of straddles the line between Orange and Osceola counties in Central Florida, for those who maybe not, don't know the geography of the area. Um, Orange County is where Orlando is. Um, the, the mayor of Orange County had a press conference Monday and, and essentially said, you know, these numbers are concerning. You know, we're not worried yet. You know, hospitalizations are not up, so they don't, they don't anticipate having to close things down again and, and shut things down again. But that is still an option on the table if things increase. And I, I, I agree with you. It is, it is something I'm very concerned with. It is, it is something that I am worried about as a resident of Orange County, as well as someone who wants to see the NBA back. I mean, I, I, right. I, I won't lie. I, 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 I miss basketball. I want to see the season completed. I, I think, I think a good number of players do as well. Obviously a few, a few are worried about other issues as well. And, and I think the NBA has to address those um, too. Um, and that issue, of course, being the, the racial, uh, the protests against racial injustice going on around the country. But, um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's a huge concern yet. Now, you know, I, I, I try to verge away from politics here because right. I, I know, you know, I, I don't think this is a political matter, but, you know, certainly Governor Ron DeSantis has been very permissive. He's wanted sporting events in the state. He's, he's opened the state up a, a little bit earlier for sporting events. Um, you know, provided that they follow social distancing guidelines, provided they follow, you know, have a plan in place. And, you know, Disney itself um, is sort of its own city. Um, they they kind of run run their own thing and, and do their own stuff. And I think that, I think that, you know, something that Disney's going to be very, very good at is kind of closing the world off to, to, uh, to the NBA. And, and so, you know, I, I, I do share your concern. I think there are overall concerns. You know, there's obviously that story coming out about the Orlando International Airport right. and, and, and the number of employees who've tested positive uh, out of the Orlando International Airport. You know, there's some dispute over what the governor said as well as what MCO is saying. Um, but, you know, there are very, very real concerns. But, but I still feel like once teams are on the campus setting that they'll be able to address these issues head on. You know, I, I think the NBA you know, came up with a pretty robust testing policy and, and a pretty robust plan to kind of keep players separated. Um, it sounds like they're going to test player, start testing players next week um, and evaluating health risks. And if someone is too much of a health risk, it sounds like they're not going to go because, you know, like Greg Popovich, Steve Clifford has had some health issues as well. I mean, he had the, he had the, the sleep, the sleep problem uh, a few years ago that caused him to miss 20 games. He's had stents put in his heart. He's, he's had his own issues too. And while you know, Jeff Weltman, the Magic's president of basketball operations, has said that, you know, he thinks Steve Clifford has a clean bill of health. He has every confidence that he'll be able to enter the campus setting and, and be able to do his job. You know, these are also human beings and we've got to be concerned. And, and it does sound like the NBA is going to try and, you know, limit the exposure to people who are at a more severe risk. I'm all for the NBA coming back. And look, you, just like you, Phil, I'm starving for some NBA action. And you know, with so many issues surrounding the nation right now, COVID, um, 
the the race issue right now, the the protest, you're starting to see players, at least reportedly, you know, a segment of them kind of pushing back on, you know, restarting in general. I know it's a small select number of players, but that is another issue that I'm looking at as the season is starting to, you know, get geared to start up again. Are those players just going to put their foot down and say, you know what, we're not going to go because there's there's things that are bigger than basketball. That's what Papa Fridge always says. Bigger than basketball. There's life, the world, you know, it's just a ball going through a hoop. You know, and I think the NBA will, and I think they have already stated that, hey, if certain players don't want to go because of what's happening on the streets of the nation, so be it, but they're going to get uh, pay docked. I start thinking about this, Phil, like COVID, race issues. Man, I mean, we talk about the worst time for the NBA to re- resume play, but I guess at the end of the day, Phil, it was going to have to resume at one point. Might as well get it going and get this over with. Yeah, and and, and I mean, you know, I, I think I think everyone wants to find some form of normalcy. And again, I I I, I am sympathetic. I am sympathetic, and, and and I think it's really important that we not dismiss these concerns that right. that players have, both about their own health and safety because of the virus. Uh, as well as um, because of the protests, um, you know, I I I under I understand and and can agree with the fact that yes, having sports back in any capacity will take people away from the protests, or, or you know, providing some mm-hmm. normalcy does take people away from the protests. And more than any other league, I think basketball is you know again, and I'm saying this as a, a white person, so you know, take it with all the grains of salt that you need to do, and that that pun I, I guess does work as well. But <laughs> you know. Basketball is a you know probably the most visible form of black culture or or black culture you know most visibly embraces basketball culture in a lot of ways. I mean I think a lot of I mean certainly as a white person basketball is how I probably consume black culture more than more than right. anything else. Um and so there there's definitely uh, and I think the players sense this there's there's definitely a uh an intertwining of the two uh, of these two issues and of these two um, factors that I think that they're cognizant of, that they know their leaders in, and and I I can't disagree, and I, and I don't I I don't want to dismiss, nor should we dismiss, that some players feel that their efforts are better put elsewhere than on the basketball court right now, because you know whether we want, I mean I don't you know you know unfortunately you know asterisk seasons better than most. <laughs> um, this season is always going to be the coronavirus season. Right. I don't, I don't think that puts an asterisk on, on the champion, but that's always the context we're going to talk about this season. And if that means that this, this championship, that this title isn't the same as others and, and, and doesn't have the same meaning or, or that there's more important things out there that need to be addressed, then that's fine. And, 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 I, and you know, the position that I've always taken here is at this point, no concern is invalid. You know, whether it's the virus, whether it's the social injustice issues, Every concern needs to be listened to and respected, and, and there there is no right answer here. You know, I yeah. think the NBA has probably done as best as they can, but mm-hmm. this is such a tough needle to thread. It's not going to be perfect. They're gonna they're gonna encounter yeah. something in the campus setting oh, that they did sure. not anticipate it, and they're they're going to have to yeah. have to react on the fly. Yeah, whether that be a non NBA player or personnel getting the virus, there's gonna be hotel workers there. They're gonna be uh, you know managers of uh, parks, employees, you know, it's not just the NBA players and their team and the personnel that are allowed to go. They got to worry about just the non-NBA personnel uh, getting their team sick, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, spreading that virus inside the bubble. And I, I, I think some fans don't realize what we're talking about here. It's a bubble. So, okay, fine. You know, Philip Rossman Reich of the Orlando Magic gets sick and hopefully he doesn't, you know, but, there's some containment procedures in there. It's not like Phil's going to leave the campus and then go ahead and walk all over uh, Florida and then, well, here we go again. So I like the fact that it's in a contained bubble. And I think fans don't realize that there are systems in place to shut it down, at least, or the individual person um, before it, it gets worse. But Phil, with it, the virus being so, you know, what is say a, a, What's an asymptomatic that you don't know if you're carrying it? And then boom, you get it. I mean, that is such a tough thing to do because you're still in a bubble. And now those people are trapped inside there where it's going to spread like wildfire. And I do agree with you, Phil. Something's going to happen in Orlando. 
once the game is going that they did not anticipate, I just hope they have the proper procedures to take care of that if that does happen. Yeah, and I think what's I think what's going to be really important that the NBA is going to have to do very very well is is catch anything early because obviously the earlier you catch something, uh, the easy, the quicker it is to deal with it. So I mean the testing that they're going to start doing you know on a regular basis starting next week during phase two of of the league's reopening. Um, is going to give them the baseline and help them figure out where trouble spots might be. Um, the the testing they're going to do pretty regularly. It, it doesn't sound like it's going to be daily, but pretty regularly when they get to Disney is going to be absolutely key. And they got to make sure those tests are, are accurate, obviously. And it sounds mm-hmm. like they're going to do they're going to have uh, multiple tests test weight testing methods to make sure that that there's no false positives. Um, but they they've got to make sure that the testing is is really on point. And and obviously. You know, I would imagine the NBA knows more about this and what their process is and what what's available to them more than the general public would. As much as we can study it, I, I would imagine the NBA has the access and the means to right. to do a lot more. And, and kind of circling back to that point, um, despite the number of positives going up in Orlando, testing is still readily available. The testing centers here in Orange County uh, are still open to anyone that wants a test. As far as as far as I know, um, if that's wrong, please someone correct me. But Testing is still readily available. They're not limiting testing to people who need it most or to people who are presenting symptoms. So that's ultimately a good sign as well, um, even though the number of positives are going up. Um, Before we kind of move on to to the main reason I wanted to have you on here, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how are you feeling uh, about the Spurs once games get going, I mean, San Antonio's got some ground to make up to to make the playoffs. It's I, I was I've done my research here. Spurs have missed the playoffs just once since like nineteen eighty nine or something like yeah. that. It's seasons, it's yeah. and and of course that year they got Tim Duncan, but um, right. but you know the Spurs are are fighting to keep a pretty incredible run alive here. It was going to be over regardless of the season okay. ended or, or not. It, it was all but done. Um, they were what in the twelfth spot in the West. Uh, about four, four and a half ish games uh, behind Memphis. It, it, it was going to be a a hell mary for them to make it. If you look at their schedule, the Jazz twice, Nuggets twice, yeah, Nuggets twice, Pelicans twice, the Kings that were above them in the standings and did beat them uh, last well last half season. I don't know how to say it. earlier this season before the hiatus. Um, it, it was going to be tough. Now you Many throw in ago. no Lamarcus Aldridge going to Orlando. And GM Brian Wright uh, speaking to uh, a few uh, media recently about maybe playing the young guys more so than the veterans in Orlando. It feels like they're going to go and compete, but they know what's ahead of them. The writing's on the wall. This incredible run of playoff success is about to come to end in Orlando. Well, we're we're looking forward to the Spurs winning the lottery at at the very <laughs> least at, the, at this at this point because that's that's what happens when uh, when 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 they don't when they don't make the playoffs. Um, you know, Jeff, uh, I think now is a good time to to move on and and yeah. and you know one thing that I always like to do to to gain some energy is to is to snack. You know, is there yes. a healthy snack out there that that I should be reaching for? Yeah, I mean, you know what, uh, Phil, I'm actually on my second box of built bars after the first one we got. To give it a try, I had to get another one. That's how good they are. Best tasting protein bar ever you will put in your mouth. And with everybody still dealing with quarantine and, you know, Phil, I put on some quarantine pounds. I'm not going to lie. I have to. I have <laughs> yeah, to. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, searching, I'm searching for exercise bikes right now. Exactly. Uh, the best way to do it and get some pounds off you is with a bell bar. Uh, look, just, just a quick profile. Take mint brownie, for example. 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar. Five grams of net carbs. You cannot beat a health bar. Put away that cliff bar. You do not need it. So what Phil and I are going to ask you to do right now is simple. Just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. What does that do for you? Gives you 10 bucks off your first order. Like Phil said, to start the show one more time, promo code locked on 10 bucks off at builtbar.com. Tastes like a candy bar, soft, easy to chew. And the bars are covered when 100% chocolate builtbar.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right. And so we come to the main event. The reason why I wanted to have Jeff on the show as... Magic fans might know, uh, Sunday, uh, June 14th, is, is the worst day of the calendar year for the Orlando Magic. It's, it's not only the day that, that Kobe Bean Bryant won a, won a championship in or, on Orlando's floor in 2009. It's also the date that we, we no longer question the heart of a champion, and the Houston Rockets won Game 4 of the 1995 NBA Finals. Obviously, that 1995 season has a lot of special meaning for Orlando. It's still a team that I feel resonates culturally with NBA fans. We see the 95 Magic uh, obviously had their own documentary on uh, in a 30 for 30, this magic moment. Um, they still show up in NBA 2K. Uh, Penny Hardaway, Shaqu- young Shaquille O'Neal are still incredibly popular players. But they were not the best team in the NBA that season, at least by regular season record. They did not have the MVP that season despite Shaq finishing second in voting that year. That mark belonged to the San Antonio Spurs. Led by David Robinson, the San Antonio Spurs were as much a juggernaut then as until this year they were now. Um, For many, that year, the 95 Spurs was their turn. You know, the Knicks had their chance and lost to the Rockets. This was David Robinson's turn to ascend to the top of a crowded center field. Um, And so, Jeff, I wanted to bring you on to... Talk a little bit about that before we get into some hypotheticals here. What was truly special about the year that David Robinson had, first off, and oh that 1995 yeah. Spurs team? Well, first of all, you hit it on the head. Uh, 62 and 20, that was the best mark uh, in the NBA. Uh, first in the uh, Midwest Division. I, you look at what that roster boasted. David Robinson was just a powerhouse. So won the MVP award. Uh, it just was you know, at the peak of his game. And I think that's what I remember uh, most, even though we know how it ended, uh, most about that uh, season. And also, too, you know, the contributions that the team got from guys like Sean Elliott. And yes, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was a spur. People forget about that. uh, For a brief uh, cup of coffee in San Antonio, two seasons to be exact. And he, uh, despite his off-the-court issues in San Antonio, was still putting up monster numbers, 16 16, about 16, 17 rebounds per game. Incredible. Uh, again, Robinson, it just was all about him. You know, his evolution as a player, his evolution as an offensive player. Because when he came into the league, Phil, many thought he'd just be a defensive beast, and that's it. But to see him become a defensive beast and an offensive monster, um, this was a season that put the cherry on top of that. And you're absolutely right, Phil. Uh, that season, Robinson set himself apart from the crop of NBA bigs of that era, Ewing, uh, Shaq, uh, Dream, at least for a bit, until they met up in the postseason. Uh, So all in all, it was a great season. You look at some of the numbers, though, uh, Phil, it's just incredible. Their defensive rating uh, for this is, and what I mean by incredible, just how times have changed. Uh, Defensive rating, fifth in the league at 105.4, and their offensive rating was fifth. 111.7 111.7 points per game. So uh, it's interesting to see, you know, uh, how times have changed. Not only in the NBA, but for the Spurs, it was the final season, I believe, or close to it, of Coach Bob Hill. I think another Magic connection there, Phil. Yes, former former yep. Magic assistant. Yep. So uh, all in all, a great season. But again, summing it up, it bittersweet. It was very bittersweet. Yeah, and 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 that Spurs team, you know, they really kind of rolled through the playoffs uh, for for the most part too. They they beat the Nuggets in 3 in the first yeah. round. They beat the Lakers, a, a spunky Lakers team. This is mm-hmm. you know obviously like after Magic Johnson, I think that was what uh it was Eddie Jones on that team, I think. 
Um, they beat that Lakers team in six, and they and then they meet up with the Houston Rockets. You know, seemingly a team that they, you know, should have been able to handle. Everyone should have been able to handle the Rockets. All, all Utah had to do was win that game. Was yep. win that game in overtime in the first round, guys. It's done. Um, but and and, and it's, it's all over. But um, the Rockets were able to beat them. And Hakeem Olajuwon, I think he averaged what thirty, you know, thirty plus points per game in in that playoff series against the Spurs. Um, and, and they were able to win that, that series in six, every, the road team, uh, I think this is the most interesting note of that series. The road team won every game of that series until and, game six. And, and can I just mention something really fast because I'm thinking about Robinson versus dream, uh, in that, uh, Western conference finals matchup. I get it. Everybody sees that game where he was just eviscerating Robinson in the paint, putting that dream shake on him. You know, making him jump up in the air, biting for uh, pump fakes. I get it. But, Phil, what gets lost in that head-to-head battle was that Robinson was giving it to Dream, too. In that in that playoff uh, run, just in general, uh, He Robinson was averaging 25 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, three blocks per game uh, throughout that playoff run. So it wasn't like, you know, Dream was shutting him down. Robinson was still getting his, too. Uh, the problem was that Robinson didn't have that much help uh, outside of maybe just is Sean Elliott. You know, we're going to get out of Avery Johnson. Uh, Dennis Rodman, you, you know, kind of, not kind of, no, he did became an off-the-court distraction at the worst yeah. possible time. Bringing Madonna to the Alamo Dome, getting in an accident uh, during the playoffs, a motorcycle accident, being shelved. Uh, so it was just a, a cluster, you know what, at the wrong time. Yeah, for sure. And, and, yeah. and I think that Spurs team is, is largely forgotten. Um, you know, obviously, obviously they, they, you know, the teams that lose it's, they don't always have the same memory as, as teams that win. Um, and, and, and obviously they, they ultimately get overshadowed because of, you know, four years later, you know, or two years later, the Spurs get Tim Duncan. Uh, and then four years later, they win their first championship and, and become the, essentially the dynasty and the model franchise mm-hmm. for the rest of the league. I mean, this was still, uh, was was Greg Pop? Greg Popovich was still with the Warriors in '95, if I'm not mistaken, right? He in wasn't '95. No, yet. he was with the Spurs. Oh, he was, he was an exec. Okay. Yeah, he was like okay. a GM, president, exec already at that time. It was the next season uh, where uh, they came out of the gate slow, and, and Popovich took over, and then Pop took over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, this is this is the very beginnings of the Spurs as we know them today. Um, you know, you you talked a little bit about it, and, and just to give, I think, some perspective, because I think, I think when people think of David Robinson now, they they think of him with Duncan, and and that David Robinson was obviously a little older, um, and a much different player than he was in the mid '90s. But to give to give some perspective, and I'd like your perspective on this too, um, like when Dwight Howard came into the league, everyone thought that he was going to be the next David Robinson. So you know, think about how athletic a defender David Dwight Howard was when he came into the league, um, you know, still kind of slim, still kind of slender, still more face up, face up than post than back down kind of post player. Um, But everyone thought like Dwight Howard is going to kind of revolutionize the center position the same way that David Robinson did with his athleticism, uh, his size and his strength. And, you know, Robinson, you know, maybe not as dominant defensively as Dwight Howard was, but he was all of what Dwight Howard was, but he also was a skilled offensive player. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I'd love your perspective on this. I think people forget just how good David Robinson was. And some of it was that, yes, he didn't win until Tim Duncan, who is, yes, a better player. He didn't win till, he didn't win a championship till, till, till Tim Duncan came around. But Robinson was every bit as capable in, in, in an right. age that had Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Rick Smith, you had some very, Sean Kemp, you had some very good big men in the NBA. And David Robinson really was, if you know, Akeem probably takes the top spot because he won the titles when Jordan wasn't around. But Robinson was probably a close second with, you know, Shaq still too young to be knocking on the door. I'm glad you brought that up because Robinson gets lost in the shuffle of a dominant NBA big man in the 90s. You mentioned Shaq, and you get a larger-than-life guy, you know, big, burly, mobile guy. You know, his personality, you know, it it overshadows Robinson, who was a straight-laced military guy. A dream with a dream shake, you know, swift, slick moves in the paint. Uh, You other guys, Patrick Ewing, you know, he was already there before He's in New York. Yeah, he's in New York, (laughs) and he gets that limelight. Uh, Even the kind of the lesser, the second tier of bigs, 
during that '90s era, Rick Smiths. Uh, you know, he's with the, the the Pacers and Reggie Miller. You know, their battles with New York was getting always spotlighted on national TV. Lonzo Mourning comes on the scene, but Robinson was there. You know, putting up MVP numbers, he did earn it, and. I dare anybody just to go to any stat website and pick one and just look at prime Robinson numbers. It's your mouth will just drop. He was pretty much. I always wonder about this too. I'm going to just, I just thought about this right now, Phil, how a prime Robinson would play in today's NBA. I, I, yeah, I was actually it's devastating. I was I was actually just thinking that I don't know if you listen to the Book of Basketball podcast, but they they've done like kind of player studies for for more modern players, and and they usually like one of the categories of, of things that they discuss are too soon, too late, or just right for some of these great players. Yeah, and, and you know I think Robinson was was good for his era, but you put him into I mean you put him in today's NBA with his passing ability, with his athleticism. Yeah. If you teach him to shoot a three-pointer, and, and I think, you know, when we talk about a lot of these players, if they grew up in today's NBA, they would be, they'd be shooting three-pointers at a younger age. So I, I always find some of those arguments a bit moot. Like, if they came up in today's era, they'd learn how to shoot threes. And, and I have every confidence, because David Robinson was a really good jump shooter, yeah. that he would have been able to extend his range and, and would have been, you know, honestly, I'm going to say it. He, Anthony Davis is probably the closest thing we have in the NBA today to what David Robinson was. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that. What do you think about Giannis? You think Giannis and Robinson would have, you know, I think That's, they would have. The only thing Robinson has, an, he had a mid-range game, a very underrated mid-range yeah. game. Giannis doesn't you know, I, really have much. I don't remember, you know, and maybe I need to go back and watch more David Robinson. And we should all go back and watch more of David Robinson because he was a really fun player. Um, I don't remember a lot about David Ro- David Robinson being a, a great kind of driver in transition. You know, maybe he was. Um, you know, his, his passing numbers were pretty good for a big man. Um, but, you know, maybe, yeah, you know, honestly, like, that's another thing I think you got to think about, too, uh, when you do kind of these comparisons that, you know, if David Robinson were growing up as an NBA player today, if he were entering the league now, yeah, he probably would be playing a lot more like Giannis um, mm-hmm. because... Because that's just what big men are expected to do, or, or he'd be put on the ball a lot more because he was he was a great ball handler for a big man. He was, you know, a really like athletic guy that you could put on the wing. Um, and and so yeah, I I I definitely could see that. I don't think that's how he played in reality, but put him in today, put him in today's basketball culture, and I'm sure that's more how David Robinson would play. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, fast up and down the court, nimble, mobile. High IQ. I'm talking just out of the yeah. roof high IQ for him. And he did well versus kind of giants. Robinson, what got him was the back. Uh, I think Popovich, when Popovich was just barely coming onto the scene, would always describe him as a, a yellow jacket. You know, big, big up on top, a little bit of a thorax, and then big bottom. And that back from taking the pounding against big burly centers like Ewing and Shaq and Morning. Uh, got to him in his uh, late prime. Even in 99, when they won it all, he was still uh, putting up some good numbers, not MVP numbers, but good numbers. But of course, too, you know, some touches went away for him because they're going to go to TD. So uh, all in all, I think Robinson gets lost in the shuffle. But thankfully, you know, he is, you know, one of the NBA's greatest players, Olympian, what he's done for this country out of serving and also wearing the red, white, and blue countless times. Uh, even in, in the Navy, he wore it. So uh, just an officer and a gentleman. Even till today, Phil, you know, what he's still doing for the San Antonio community is just incredible. So hat tip to uh, Mr. Robinson. But when I look at that Shaq, that, that Magic team, Shaq Penny, I, I really thought, Phil, that was going to be the next uh, Magic Kareem duo. I think I think we all did. And, and you know, obviously, like, like I, that team, I'm still – you know, surprised how much that team resonates with people outside of Orlando. And, and I've, you know, the, here, in, here in Orlando, they replayed the, both the Bulls series and the Pacers series from 1995 um, on Fox Sports Florida during the hiatus. Uh, so, so, you know, we got some classic Magic games here. Uh, and uh, re-watching some of those games, you know, like it confirmed a lot of things that I, that I believed about that team. 
I really do believe that that Magic team was very far ahead of its time um, with mm-hmm. how it used the three-point shot. And, and Houston was to some extent too, which is I think one of the reasons the Rockets were able to, to win is you know they present a lot of matchup problems for all teams. They present matchup problems for the Magic too. And having Robert Ori there to be able to spread the floor out to three-point line, having Kenny Smith and Mario Ellie who could hit threes, um, or Mario Ellie was gone for for the '95 Finals run. He was in Portland at that point, but um, they they were able to spread the floor and hit three pointers. And, and so, you know, the Magic, you know, historically at that time had one of the best offenses the league had ever seen. Orlando ended up first in offensive rating that year, um, at, with according to Basketball Reference, 115.1 points per 100 possessions. You know, they had Shaq scoring 29 points per game. You know, he finished second in MVP voting to David Robinson. Penny was up at 20 points per game. Nick Anderson. People remember him, you know, people nationally remember him for the free throws in game one, mm-hmm. obviously, but he was, he was a clutch player up until that point. He obviously stole the ball from Michael Jordan in game one of the conference semifinals. He hit the go ahead basket to cap off a 14 0 run in game six to beat the Bulls and clinch that series, hit a huge three to give the Magic a win in game two of their seven game series against the Pacers in the Eastern Conference finals. They, they had a lot of guys who could just make shots and make plays. And, you know, what, what really, took me and 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 I'm curious what your perspective is with this or with the Spurs. What really took me when I was watching back some of those games and NBA TV has played some of the losses on top of that. So I was able to watch uh game four of the series against the Pacers, game one of the final series and game four of the final series as well. The Magic just had this devil may care attitude about them. Like their their motto that entire playoff run was why not us, why not now? Um, you know, they were everyone just said they're too young to win. And they really believe that. And, and they, you know, just said, you know, we're, t- we're too young to know what we don't know. And, and I think what ultimately got them, and I think you could see hints of this throughout the playoff run, was just they had a lot of immaturity. They made a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes. I uh, had a lot of lulls in playoff series that, you, that, that experienced teams shouldn't have. And they were able to, to win because they were just so talented and, and they kind of hit the right lightning in a bottle. And then they hit the Rockets. And the Rockets just had all the experience. They had all the poise, you know, down 20 in game one, the Orlando arena is going crazy. Houston comes back. They cut it to 12. I think at halftime, they come back, take the lead in the third quarter and Orlando's kind of scrambling a little bit, but they had the, they had the talent to get themselves back in the game. And then, you know, I, I hate saying this because we we love Nick Anderson down here, but once Nick Anderson missed those free throws, kind of the veneer of confidence, you know, was pierced and, and, and the air rushed out of the balloon and you could just kind of tell like, this team just wasn't ready. And, and I'm curious, curious, you know, if, if that's, you know, certainly I, I, I'm someone that does believe experience matters, that to win in this league, you have to understand how to manage these series. Uh, and, and I just feel, I just feel like, you know, kind of watching back these games, that Magic team just wasn't ready. And, you know, if Michael Jordan had stayed retired, maybe they would have won in 96. I'm on the fence about that one uh, with that, how good that Sonics team was. But it, this, the, that Magic team had every opportunity they, I just don't think they were ready for it. Yeah, and look, I, don't, I think that Rockets team was just clicking at the right time. That's just the typical cliche you hear all NBA teams players say, we just get cooking at the right time, we'll be able to shock the world. You know, that was it. Look, the Magic was a good team. You know, yes, there was a Nick Anderson issue uh, at the free throw line. Uh, but that Rockets, hey, Mario Elliott, the kiss of death. Uh, Kenny Smith caught fire at the right time. Dream was just, well, he's just dream. And you got a coach like Tom Janovich that could rally a team. And he did that. So all in all, you look at uh, the uh, magic as an outside perspective. I was thinking that was going to be the next great dynasty. I really did. I thought, wow, this magic team is going to rule the East, let alone the NBA for years. People forget it. What Horace Grant was on that team too. And, he was just playing great that season. So all in all, you know, what could have been not only for the Magic, but for the Spurs too. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Robinson win a title leading the team on his own. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Look, got a guy named Tim Duncan, so I'm not too mad about that. So all in all, I <laughs> yeah, think... You guys, uh, you guys got Tim Duncan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm not too too upset about that. But uh, I, I just would have really would have seen to see Robinson lead a Spurs squad to the promised land. It didn't happen, but hey, five titles later, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, well, it, it's funny you should mention that because I have a, a I have a hypothetical question that that I want to ask you. But first, I, I don't know about you. Um, in 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 this land of awkward transitions, I don't know about <laughs> you, but uh, I am 
always a little bit intimidated when I when I go to go to car dealerships or have to do anything with my car. I, I am not a car person. I tried one time to fix my car myself. I had some paint chips and I was like, oh, I'm going to paint this myself. Uh, and I went to a, a, a you know an auto parts store and I just felt completely lost and overwhelmed. The, the guy at the counter, you know, helped me a little bit, but I don't think he he ended up selling me something that wasn't exactly what I needed. Well, if I'd gone to rock rockauto.com, I probably would have done a little bit better for myself. I probably would have been uh, a little bit in a, a, in a place that would have helped me just a little bit more. Uh, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, whether it's your classic or daily driver, Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Get treated equally even if you have no idea what you're looking at. Um, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know who we sent you uh, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So Jeff, I wanted to bring you on here to ask one more question, uh, sure. one more hypothetical question that it might just, but might make both of us, one of us feel good. If the 1995 Magic had faced the 1995 Spurs, who would win? Wow. I, I think that I think yeah, I, I think that series would have been a very very interesting series. Um, and and honestly, mm. would have still been uh, huge ratings in the NBA in the NBA. You know. A, David Robinson Shaq matchup would be just as fantastic as a Shaq Hakeem Olajuwon matchup because, like David Robinson against the Rockets in '95, Shaq acquitted himself well in the '95 Finals as well. Probably wasn't completely ready. Hakeem still housed him, but Shaq 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 got his his numbers as well. They just they just couldn't pull out the win. That matchup to me though would have been really really fascinating um, because you know just a year later Dennis Rodman's on the Bulls. And he's giving Shaq and, and Horace Grant, who got injured in game one of that 96 Eastern Conference Finals, he was giving them all kinds of problems too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that this, this matchup would have been a really compelling finals matchup. Um, the Magic, early on in, in their history, struggled with the Spurs. I think they only had, what, two right. two wins in their first 10 games Shaq, against the Spurs or something I, like that? I think Shaq uh, individually went winless against the Spurs Robinson for seven straight games when he came on the scene. So she, Robinson did give Shaq, uh, at least in the early phase of Shaq's career, the most fits. Yeah. And, and, and that team, you know, that Spurs team was, was very, very good. As we mentioned, they, they were the top team in the entire league. Um, the, the thing that, that, uh, you know, but I would say this too, that magic team in 95, Beat the Spurs or beat the Spurs in Orlando, you know, both mm-hmm. very close games. The one in San Antonio, I think San Antonio won a very tight game. One in Orlando, Orlando won on an NBC game, very, very tight. And it, they both happened in March within like a week and a half of each other. But I think what would be the key in this matchup is Penny Hardaway. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I was going to go right to Penny. The Spurs have no answer for, I mean, in the Spurs no. have no answer for Penny Hardaway. You can't put no. Avery Johnson on him. Or, you know, you or, could probably get away with Sean Elliott on him, but yeah. then. Where do you put where do you put Avery? You, you don't. Yeah, yeah, he's a liability on on maybe dare I say both ends of the court because as great as a facilitator Avery Johnson was, he wasn't a reliable outside shooter and he was very undersized uh, guard five ten at least that's who he was listed as. 
Yeah, Penny would have been the big difference maker. I think ultimately he would have been the key to the Spurs losing that series. Uh, I think all in all, Penny would have – I think he would have had a field day because Willie Anderson, maybe you throw Willie Anderson at him, but Willie Anderson wasn't a defensive stopper. Good swift guard can get you some points, but you know, not an all-star, uh, not to the level – not Penny's level at that time. I'm looking at a guy like Dennis Rodman, going to have to be in his best behavior. But if history of that season was any indication, then no, he was going to be an off-the-court distraction. It really would have been just all Robinson uh, to try to will that team to a series win. Doc Rivers, you know, he was already past his prime already uh, in that season. Chuck Person, the same thing. You know, he was in the eighth season. But Chuck Person, I believe he was coming off an injury or he got hurt that season. He wasn't the same rifleman as he was with the Pacers. It it would have been a fun series. I think it goes six most, but oh, I, hate, I hate to say this, but Magic went in six. Yeah, I mean, I think I entered this thinking that it would be a pretty competitive yeah. series. I, I I remember the Spurs, just the Magic just were just unable to beat the Spurs at, at any point in their franchise history, to be perfectly honest. I think, I think the Magic only have like... 18 or 19 wins over the Spurs in and, 31 and, years. And Phil, I don't mean to cut you off, but if I remember that, that Orlando-San Antonio series of that season, and you're mentioning how close each games were, I think the game in San Antonio where the Spurs got the W over the Magic, it took like a Robinson dunk uh, over Tree Rollins or something like that, or a big man. Yeah, probably Shaq fouling out or something, yeah. yeah. And, then, and and like and like that's and and to me like that's I mean obviously like Shaq and David Robinson essentially are going to cancel each other out. I mean Robinson would have to have an Akeem level season exactly or a Akeem level series for for, the, for them to win. Um, but the only thing that I think could could would hurt the Magic is like I said that Magic team was still really immature. Like Shaq fouled out of several key games during the playoffs. Um, you know that, that game four against the Pacers where Rick Smith hit the buzzer beater. Shaq fouled out with about a minute and a half, two minutes to play in that game. And Tree Rollins was in there guarding Rick Smiths. And and obviously you don't want your best player off the floor at that key moment. And and that wasn't that happened more often than it should have at that point. So that magic team was very, very immature. But I, I tend to agree. Um, after kind of studying the two teams, as long as the magic are hitting their outside shots, which they did not in the 95 finals. Dennis Scott, I think, shot 20, shot less than 30% on threes in the final series. And, and that obviously killed the magic a ton. Um, because you know, that season, uh, Penny was Penny Hardaway, the way we Yeah, know Penny him. became yeah. Penny that, yeah, that, that season. Yeah, that was that yeah, season. He, was, there. he, he was, broke out. I mean, 96 was probably his best season of his career, but Penny Penny was unstoppable for much of that playoff playoff yeah. run. I mean, you know, go back. I mean, literally, I mean, if you want a game that that's just a fun game to watch, go find uh, the 95 Eastern Conference Finals Game 4. Um, Penny, Penny just goes back and forth with Reggie Miller in the final two minutes before Rick Smith hits the game winner. And it's, it's just an incredible display from Penny. I mean, he's just, he's carrying that team and, and, and I think ultimately he's, he's the difference. And I, I tend to agree. I, you know, I think the magic probably win that series. Um, obviously game six would have been in San Antonio, which I think would have been tough. So it would have been magic, I think well, in five or six. And here's the thing too, you, you dig deeper on that magic roster. Uh, I think when Nick Anderson's obviously on that team, you know, the Spurs, I don't think they have a guy. Who could check Nick? Uh, Nick Nick was still good. He was a good player. He was good He's a very good player. player. So, yeah. again, you know, another headache for the Spurs to deal with. And remember, that was still without Popovich. Popovich was still an exec. And so that was Bob Hill. Bob Hill was an offensive-minded guy, but defensively, you know, okay at best. So defense wins titles. The Spurs don't have that defense. Although they they their, their defensive rating was high for that season, but – I don't think they'll have enough horses on that end to slow down Penny and Nick. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that's where, you know, like regular season stats only take you so far. I mean, I, I think, I think the magic, the current magic are dealing with that here where they have a very strong defensive system that can get them through the regular season. But at the end of the day, in the playoffs, you need to match up with teams and you need to be able to, to counteract things that the other team does. And uh, when you get into the playoffs and you can hone in on specific weaknesses, that's where you really find out how good your defenders are and how good your defense is. And I think, honestly, I, I, I think that's probably what happened with the Rockets and how mm -hmm. they ended up beating San Antonio. Um, San Antonio just didn't have the depth around David Robinson, just didn't have the player, yeah. the playmakers around Robinson to beat a team like the Rockets that year, where same thing with the Magic, they didn't have the maturity and the composure, you know, the quote-unquote heart of a champion. Right. Uh, to to stand up to the Rockets and their poise and 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 their and their skill level and and yes they're shooting at the end of the day because I, I think the '95 Finals 
ultimately came down to shooting. Um, this has been a, a great conversation, both talking about Magic and Spurs past, uh, past and present. Um, Jeff, uh, where can my listeners find you if they if they want to want to follow your Spurs stuff? Not a problem. Uh, first of all, subscribe to Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcast. And when you do that, make sure to subscribe not only to Locked On Spurs but Locked On Magic and the rest of the Locked On NBA Network or just the network in general. Uh, Google Play, I think it is. Uh, there's Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. Seriously, Phil, I think David Locke has this on everywhere. I mean, just pick I, I got this one. You can you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. How long did you practice that? Uh, I have been doing that spiel since <laughs> I started the show. Uh, right. I, I've added a few in there. Um, I know people look forward to me saying that. I actually went on a podcast one time and gave it, and he's like, man, I've been waiting for you to say that all show long. So, <laughs> All right. And oh, and by the way, you know, and if you're interested in what the San Antonio Spurs are doing, make sure to go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio on fox29sanantonio.com as you find the latest and greatest of what is going on with the Spurs during the hiatus, including, you, you'll love this, uh, Phil, DeJounte Murray Ooh. donated over 500 new pairs of New Balance sneakers to area frontline workers in San Antonio uh, kind of tip their his, tip at his cap to the uh, nurses and doctors in San Antonio fighting COVID. So good on Murray. You want to go see that and more again, news for San Antonio, Fox 29, San Antonio, the Spurs zone. Awesome. That's, 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 that's incredible that, that DeJounte is doing that and, and definitely, definitely appreciate uh, his efforts in the San Antonio community as, 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 as I'm sure, as you know, I, I obviously Jonathan Isaac's doing his stuff here in yeah. Orlando, uh, feeding, feeding children. And I'm sure, players are doing a lot of stuff that me may not even hear of because it's not about the attention. It's about the service at the end of the day. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. Of course, follow, for the latest on the Orlando magic, be sure to check out Orlando magic Follow us on Twitter there at O magic daily. That's going to do it for us today for Jeff Garcia and locked on Spurs. My name is Philip Rossman Reich of locked on magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode here on the locked on podcast network. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.